right, good morning. Hey, thank you guys for being at church. <laughs> I, I appreciate it. Uh, I don't know about you. It's like the most awkward thing in the world, not being able to be nice to people. Uh, I, I'll be really, really excited when all this is past us. I just want to let you know I will have a lot of pent-up friendliness. I'll probably just start hugging and kissing everybody, including the guys. Watch out. I'm coming at you. Because uh, I've just had to keep my hands in my pocket all morning because I, I, like, I like greeting people. So, uh, hey, I, you know, we're having church today. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep having church as long as our local government and leadership tells us that we can. I'm not planning on changing anything with that. But if at any point the mayor, our local government says, hey, sorry, no more big meetings, then, then we won't do it. And we'll do everything else we can to continue to minister to people and love on people. How many of you guys are thankful that the church is not a building? Amen. The church is not a building. The church is a living, breathing extension of the hand of God. And, uh, and I believe that in times like this, we have more opportunity than any other time to actually be that. What I do like about this, I was thinking about this this morning, you know, because we're not shaking hands, we're not hugging each other and all that. It's very similar to how a lot of times we interact with the Holy Spirit, because how many of y'all know we don't get to physically touch the Holy Spirit? So we have an opportunity by the way that we live by the way that we love to show and demonstrate the same, that same experience. When we encounter the Holy Spirit, we just sense his presence. Let us be so full of the love of God and love of Jesus that we don't have to touch people for them to know we're there, for them to know that we love them and we care about them, amen? Well, uh, we are in the series in Philippians and uh, last week, we talked about unity. If you didn't get that message, you can definitely go to our podcast, New Life Church Cabot, and, uh, and listen to that. But uh, we are, instead of going to chapter two, we were going to read through that. But with everything that's going on, I felt it very appropriate to go ahead and skip over to chapter four. Philippians 4, 4 through 7 says this, Rejoice in the Lord always. Everybody say always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding and every meme and every social post and every news report, We'll guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. So we're going to talk about how to find peace in anxious times. First thing, we got to turn to God. We got to turn to God. This, in verse 5, it says, the Lord is near. Where do you turn when things get crazy? Where do you go? Do you turn to the news? Do you turn to your emotions, your relatives, Twitter, Facebook, Alcohol, drugs, pornography, stress eating, a little retail therapy maybe, isolation. I think one thing that we all have to remember, emotions and feelings are terrible leaders. They will never take us to the place that God wants us to be. Matthew 6, 25 says this, this is why I tell you, do not worry about everyday life whether you have enough food or drink or enough clothes to wear. Isn't life more than food, your body more than clothing? Look at the birds. 
I love this. This is proof that Jesus was a little ADD. He's like talking. He's like, look at the birds. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> they don't plant or harvest or store up food in barns for your heavenly father feeds them. And aren't you far more valuable to him than they are? Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? It goes on in verse 31. So don't worry about these things, saying what will we eat or what will we drink, what will we wear. These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. But your heavenly Father already knows all your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything that you need. So don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow brings its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. So apparently these people of this day were stressed about food and clothing, and most of us are not stressed about that. But maybe you're stressed about where you're going to get toilet paper. <laughs> or hand sanitizer. Uh, just so you know, we have cameras all over this building. So if you try to steal our TP. You're going to get caught. And I have given security full reign to tase anybody that tries to steal the toilet paper. But actually, in seriousness, in seriousness, as a church, we're going to be here if people have needs, including toilet paper. You better not lie to us about your need of toilet paper. But if you really need toilet paper, as crazy as that sounds, then we'll do whatever we can to help you. And I mean that. Like if, if right now you're like, uh, uh, if you have four kids like ours, I'm, we're retraining them the appropriate ways to use toilet paper. Because how many of y'all know when you got little boys in your house, they're just like grabbing like fistfuls of them. We're like, no! So we're monitoring them as they go to the bathroom. I'm joking, we're not doing that, but, <laughs> but we thought about it. Jesus reminds us our Father knows what we need. God sees you. He will take care of you. Another thing that we got to do is we got to talk to God. Don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. We present our requests to him. We pour out our fears to him. We ask him to move. The time and the energy that we would naturally spend on worrying, what if we took all of that energy and spent it talking to God? I think it would change things. Look, I like when my kids talk to me. I like, it when they I like it when they tell me what their fears are, what their insecurities are. I like that. God likes to talk to us too. He wants to hear from us. But how often do we just start talking to everyone else first? How often do we talk to our friends, our parents, our kids, our, our coworkers before talking to God first. Or we jump on Facebook and rant before we've even talked to God. Like, what would Jesus do? I think we all need to get out our WWJD bracelets again. Come on. Everybody needs a reminder. Before you get ready to post something, think about this. Would Jesus post this? Just let that be the simple filter that we all operate with. Would Jesus post this? Is Jesus interested in inciting fear and worry and panic? I don't think so. 
In Psalm 145, 18, it says, The Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call on him in truth. We also got to thank God. We thank God. This helps us with anxiousness. Rejoice in the Lord always. I say it again, rejoice. It also says that with thanksgiving, we present our requests. I think this is one of the best practices when it comes to times of anxiety. Thankfulness, because it brings perspective. In Psalm 69, 30, it says, I will praise the name of God with song and magnify him with thanksgiving. I love that word magnify. There's really two kinds of magnifying. There's microscopic and there's telescopic. So one of those things makes a small thing look big. The other thing makes something big that may appear small. Obviously, when David was writing this, I will magnify God with thanksgiving, he does not mean I will make God small or God being small, I'm gonna try to make him big. What he's saying is, I need to get some perspective about how big my God is. And one of the ways that I can get that perspective to telescopically remind myself how big God is, I'm gonna thank him. Because as I thank him, I'm gonna remember his goodness and his faithfulness. And if you look at the verses surrounding verse 30, you'll know David is not in a place that seemed to deem thankfulness. He's being pursued. People hate him, people are trying to kill him. He's saying, and when that fear and when that worry, anxiety comes up, my thankfulness is going to remind my heart how big my God really is. Thankfulness, being thankful. How many of you guys have kids? Anybody have kids in the house? Okay. Figure most of us do, living in Cabot. You guys like having babies? There's probably going to be a lot more babies in about nine months, I would guess. We're going to see a big bump in church attendance in nine months. There's something else to look forward to. Come on now. Don't you love when your kids are genuinely thankful? It's like the best thing in the world. Like when they're just like, thank you. Uh, you, you, can, you can try to convince me that you don't have kids that are your favorite, but I know you're lying. Because <laughs> we all have a favorite kid. That's just the way it works. In my house, though, it just kind of changes and alternates. But typically, my favorite kid in our house is just the one that's the most thankful. I will hook that kid up. But the opposite is also very frustrating. When kids are assuming and demanding. And some of our kids, they work through this. Dad, get me a drink of water. Excuse me? <laughs> like when they act like that, I wanna take everything they own on the planet, pile it in the yard and light it on fire and make them watch it burn. Like, I gave this to you. Thankfulness though, man. It just changes your heart. It changes your perspective. It changes the way that you see God's goodness. What David is saying is in my, my chaos, I will make a big God look as big as he really is. 
And by the way, it is our role as men and women of God who have received as much grace and mercy as we have from God to make his greatness look as great as it really is. And it is times like this that is our greatest opportunity to do just that. We have an opportunity to make God as big as he really is. I think thankfulness can help us to do that. Psalm 104 says, enter into his gates with thanksgiving. Another way to say this is the way that you're gonna be able to come into his gates is by being thankful and enter his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. We also think about God. We think about God. Verses eight through nine says, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you are learned or received from me or seen in me, put into practice. And the God of peace will be with you. I gave you some context around this book last week. Remember, this is one of the epistles of Paul. An epistle is just simply a book that is written on a scroll, but this is one of the prison epistles of Paul. He is writing this from prison. I doubt he had toilet paper. I doubt he had hand sanitizer. I would guess there was a few germs floating around the prison but he is speaking with moral authority and confidence about what he can think about because of the peace that he has. Our thoughts actually control our life. It's easy to let fear take over. Actions are often preceded by a thought, almost every action, even if it's just a very short thought. You don't move without your brain having a thought to move. Good actions are preceded by good thoughts. We have an opportunity to show a lot of good actions, but we won't show those good actions if our thoughts are not fixed on an eternal God. I wanna encourage you with something. I understand that we wanna take care of ours understand that we want to take care of our families. I have four kids. Please do not assume that I don't want to take as good of care of my kids that you want to take care of your kids. Please don't assume that. That would be a very foolish thing to assume. But I also know this. You know what? My kids need more from me than anything right now. They need to see me demonstrating the love of God to the people around us. And so, if you know of an elderly person that lives by you, maybe you should call them up and ask them if they need anything. If you know somebody that has some sort of pre-existing medical condition that would lower their immune system, and so right now, this is a very fearful time for them. Very fearful. Check in on them. See if there's anything that they need. I will tell you, as, as a church, we're gonna do everything that we can. By the grace of God, this is gonna be over and done. 
and hopefully sooner than later. But, but fear is the most damaging thing that we're dealing with in our nation right now. And, it's gonna, and it could cause some issues. So if those issues arrive, I think we have an opportunity to walk in confidence and be the church. If our thoughts are fixed on God and not on the fear. Because bad actions are typically preceded by bad thoughts. This happens in a lot of different areas in life. Temptation is this way. If you like chocolate brownies, especially the edges, because that's the best part of chocolate brownies, the edge in the corner specifically, corner piece, always what I want. But, but this is the way it'll work. You'll think, I deserve chocolate brownies. I've been so good. I've been so disciplined. I haven't had chocolate brownies in like 24 hours. I think I deserve to have some of this. And the more that it is consuming your thoughts, the more likely you're going to eat a whole tray of brownies. It's going to happen because that's what your thoughts are consumed with. So I think we need to fix our thoughts on him. Isaiah 26, 3 says, you'll keep in perfect peace all who trust in you, whose thoughts are fixed on you. Romans 12, 2, do not conform. This is big. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Colossians 3, 2, set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. You need to know that God is thinking about you. This last week, Cody and I were in Guatemala and before you start scooting away, there are no cases of COVID-19 in Guatemala. <laughs> and uh, we were actually working with World Vision. And um, we're, we're scouting out Guatemala as a potential place that we might partner with as a campus to continue to send trips to. And so we're not sure. We're praying through that. There's a few details I'd like to see come together in relation to some of the local churches that we would partner with and that type of thing. You can stay tuned on all that. But as we were doing this, so there were several things that we were we were. Um, a, a part of in these programs that World Vision is doing. Um, and it, it, ironically, one of the things that we were primarily doing while we were there was emphasizing the importance of personal hygiene. So we were spending a lot of time teaching kids how to wash their hands. We're like, this is important, kids. Okay, and, and, but, but what, what, one of the things we did, it, it's called a, a chosen project. And the way that World Vision used to work is they used to uh, bring pictures of kids to different events, concerts, and different things like this. How many of you guys are uh, familiar with World Vision? Okay, so a few of you. And then, and then you would pick a, a kid that you would sponsor. Cody and I uh, did this uh, almost 12 years ago um, and have been sponsoring a kid in India. But they, they kind of flipped the script on that, and now they give kids an opportunity to pick their host family. So they've done this at a couple of campuses, and so... We'll probably do it with us at some point, okay. But so they took pictures of families that wanted to host kids at a, a couple of our campuses. 
And what they do is they set up this room and they hang the pictures on, on this display. And then the kids get to come in and they get to go and look at the families. And then they, they pick a family. And then, you know, they get a picture taken with it. Oh, you, you guys, some of y'all, you, you, would, you would be a mess. You, you, there's no, you, you would just be ugly cry all over the place. Just, they would hug that picture sometimes. And, and then they take a picture with it and all that. But one of the things they do is immediately they, they go into a different room and they start writing a letter to the family they just picked. And they would also draw a picture. They draw a picture of kind of their environment, like of them and, and kind of where they live. And so I was watching as this, this little boy was drawing his picture for his, his host fa- or his sponsor family, this family that he picked. And I was watching him with how intentional he was the detail. And then he got to this one point and he kept drawing this line and he, he just didn't like how it was turning. He kept erasing it. And he tried again. And then he erased it. He tried again. He worked on that one little spot for several minutes. And I thought, man, I wish I could tell this family that he picked just how intentional he was with every detail of that picture. And then immediately had the thought, I wish we all had a grasp of the detail that God sees in our lives. He sees us, he sees us, he cares for us. There is no detail that he is unaware of. God didn't get out of bed a couple months ago and get surprised by the coronavirus. Oh, what's this? New thing. Oh, I hope my kids are flipping out. I'll tell you what they need to do. They need to go buy every inch of toilet paper they possibly can. God sees you. He loves you. He loves us. Being in Guatemala, you know, this is the reason why missions is so important to me because it gives you perspective. I promise you, if all of you had spent this last week in Guatemala, I think we'd all be acting a little different. Not saying we wouldn't be taking precautions and being wise. I'm just saying the main thing would be the main thing. But the main thing that you have to get right now or you will never be able to demonstrate this peace that this is talking about You have to get that God is for you. He's for you. He loves you. He has a peace for you if you'll come to him that'll guard your hearts and your minds, your emotions and your thoughts in Christ Jesus. That's what we need.
That's what we need. There's a chance that some of you, I would assume that you have some amount of peace or you wouldn't be here right now. But there may be some of you that in the general sense of your life, you don't operate in a place of peace. You operate in a place of a lot of worry and fear and anxiety. And and some of you, that's just something you're working through in your relationship with God. But some of you, it's because you have no relationship with God. And so I believe that God is looking down on you as you're, as you're worried about every little detail of your life. And he says, I see you and I care and I want a relationship with you if you'll let me. Let's close our eyes, bow our heads. If you're here today and you you know you're away from the Lord, you don't have a relationship with him, maybe you just don't have any peace right now. Maybe you're realizing that the reason why that is 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 because you've known about God, you've even believed that there's a God, but there's a big difference between knowing about God and believing there's a God and having a personal relationship with the God, the creator of the universe through his son, Jesus. And if you're here today, and maybe you just sense in your heart, you're realizing you are away from him. You don't have a relationship with God. The Bible says, if you'll believe in your heart, if you're willing to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord over your life, then you can be saved. And that's the beginning step. That's that's the first step in you beginning to understand this peace. This peace that we're talking about this morning. And if you're here today and you know that you need that, and you're away from him, I want to give you an opportunity to admit, to confess. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to point you out in front of everyone. But between me, you, and God, If you're willing to admit, hey, I'm away from God, I I know that I want his peace. Maybe you need to come back to him. You need to rededicate your life to him. And if you're in that place, nobody's looking around. If that's you, I'm just gonna ask you to put your hand up. Just say, that's me, I need him. I need a relationship with Jesus. I know that I'm apart from him. As soon as I see your hand, you can put it down. Anybody in this place? Okay, okay, anybody? Got it. Got it. Praise God. Anybody? Yeah, I got you. Anybody else? Yes. Anybody else? I just need Jesus. I know I'm away from him. I need a relationship with God. I have no confidence. I just need him. Anyone else? Okay. Okay. Every once in a while, this happens during this moment where I just kind of feel like, the Lord's just encouraging me just to exhort one more time just because there's, there's people in the room. And the way he tells me about it is he says, James, there's someone that's just like you and they're being stubborn. And, and because I know what it's like to be that person and to be stubborn, I, I just wanna let you know that I, 
because I know what that's like, I also want to encourage you. I know what it's like when I finally surrender and quit being stubborn. And so I just want to give you a chance. If that's you, you're just being stubborn, just want to give you another opportunity. Maybe you need to put your hand up too. If that applies to you, any person in this room, just one more second. Okay, got it. Thank you. You'll never regret it. I respect that. God's gonna honor it. For those few folks that raised your hand, we're just gonna talk to God. We're just gonna be honest with him. You don't have to say this prayer out loud necessarily. I would encourage you at some point, you need to tell somebody you made a decision to follow Christ this morning. A great way to do that is through water baptism. And we'll have another opportunity to do that in a few weeks. But right there, just, just we're gonna talk to God. You can say this prayer in your head or just loud enough for your own ears to say, God, here's my life. I know that I know that I'm a sinner. I know that I've made more mistakes than I can count. I know my sin separates me from you, but I, I also believe that you sent your son Jesus as the perfect sacrifice for my sin. I can't wrap my mind around how you can love someone like me. It, it's hard for me to completely understand and even believe that, that, that all the mistakes and specifically some of the worst ones that I've made could be forgiven. But in faith right now, I choose to believe that your life that was given is enough for my sin. And I ask for your forgiveness. Please forgive me of my sin. I know that you didn't stay dead. You rose from the grave. That's the reason why my sin is defeated. That's the reason why I don't have to have the fear of death because you defeated death. And I also thank you that, that I have the hope of heaven because of you. But I also know that I'm not just gonna wait on heaven. I wanna see your kingdom come and your will be done in my life now as it is in heaven. So forgive me for being distracted from my purpose. Forgive me from, but I wanna understand it now. So I pray that you speak to me by your spirit, through your word, by other people that believe what I now believe, that you would speak through them to help me to understand my calling, my gifting, my purpose in you. Thank you, Jesus, for loving me. Thank you so much. I just wanna pray this over every person that's in this room. If you feel comfortable, you just kind of put your hands out in front of you, open like, a, like in a place of receiving from the Lord. Like if, if, if someone was getting ready to hand you a gift, just that posture, like I'm, I'm open, whatever you have for me. I just wanna pray this over you. This is Psalm 91. Whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Surely he will save me from the fowler's snare and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his feathers and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and rampart. You will not fear the terror of night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness, nor the plague that destroys at midday. A thousand may fall at your side, 10,000 at your right hand, but I, but it will not come near you. If you say the Lord is my refuge, if you make the most high your dwelling, no harm will overtake you. No disaster will come near your tent for he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. 
May the Lord keep you and bless you. May he turn his face towards you and be gracious to you. May he fall upon you and give you peace, faith, rest, strength, hope, wisdom, courage, and love. I pray that in your life, you will have nothing missing and nothing broken. That you will have everything that you need that pertains to life and godliness. That you and your family will be protected physically, emotionally, and spiritually. That no weapon formed against you shall prosper. And I ask in the name of Jesus Christ that his blood and his sacrifice cover you and your home, that no disease will come near you. In Jesus' name, we receive that. We believe it. We know that you're faithful. But we also know that we're not just saved, we're sent. Help us to be faithful with that too. In Jesus' name, amen. If you believe it, give the Lord a hand.